You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Well, Tracy, today we're in part three of our three-part series called Survival Guide for Parents. You know, in week number one, we talked about putting God first as a as a Christian couple. Hopefully, as parents, you're modeling that that God is first and foremost in your marriage, in your parenting, in your in your personal lives. Last week, we talked about the importance of discipline, which I think is sort of a lost art in today's world. And today, I think is kind of the other side of principle t- principle number two. Because principle number three is all about affirming your kids. Every single kid, even the most challenging ones, especially the most challenging ones, need and deserve affirmation. Trace, before we get into this, why don't we talk for a second about the power of words? Because I think parents need to understand how powerful their words are, even though it seems like maybe your kids are always tuning you out. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I have so many examples from my own life, but from friends too. I mean, if we all just stop and think about a person in our life that's either said something, a compliment that just really bolstered us and gave us confidence to go forward with something, or unfortunately, somebody that maybe said something that was really hurtful and it's kind of plays around in your head over and over and over again. And so think about that in terms of it might even be a parent or someone that is close to you that's supposed to love you more than anyone else in the world, and yet their words can be biting and hard and harsh. And so for me as a parent, boy, the last thing that I want is for when my kids are my age talking to their kids and to say, my mom used to say X, Y, or Z, and it was crushing to me, or or for them to remember something that you and I have said that maybe we said in anger or frustration, and it's like they've held on to that because words are powerful. Yeah, we joke with our now adult daughter that, you know, she has seen a therapist over the years here, you know, here and there, and which is, can be really helpful for her. It's been super helpful. And we joke with her, okay, well, how much did you talk about mom? How much did you talk about dad? Because we know that that's a reality. So many kids bring wounds into their adulthood that they never get over. And a lot of times it, it has to do with something your parents did or said and so that's why this principle is so important. And again, I want to speak to parents who think, well, my kids don't really even pay attention. My, my words don't matter because my kids don't pay attention to me. My, my kids are always tuning me out. It's like they're never listening. I would just really challenge you. Your kids are listening. It doesn't matter what it looks like. They're listening. And they're not just listening when you talk to them, parents, moms, dads. They listen when you talk about them. And I think this is a principle that parents need to understand is kids pick up more than you realize. That, that's a scary thing for some parents to know that their kids are always listening. Yeah, and I think that like you were saying that it's kind of the important companion to what we talked about last time about that we need to discipline and love. Like there are boundaries that we need to draw. There are things that we're teaching and training our kids so that they can leave our home at 18-ish years old and be launched and independent and have all the skills that they need. But as you're being a disciplinarian, you also need to make sure that you're really building up your kids because a lot of times our kids are going to respond more. Their behavior is going to change more 
from the positive things that we're saying. So as parents, I really want to encourage us that we don't just stay in the mode of being the disciplinarian, just being critical all the time, because if that's how we are, if that's how we relate to our kids, it's just always criticism. It's always, we have plenty to say when they've done something wrong and we're really not saying anything when we see something good. Uh, I think we're going to be really doing a lot of damage to our kids. So this idea of affirming your kids is so important. And Brian, I agree. I have watched kids um, respond when like a parent's talking to me and they're saying, you know, little Johnny's just been terrible at school and his teachers are mad at him, you know, and he's standing right there and you could just see it on their face. Um, the words that their parents are saying and how they're talking about them to other people is just as crushing as if you're saying it right to them. Yeah, one of our questions in today's topic, again, you can find resources to have this conversation with your spouse or with a small group or maybe with a mentoring couple. And one of the questions, I really like it, it says this, describe the love climate in your home growing up. Now, some people might not know what we're talking about. It's kind of obvious. The love climate is, were you raised in a home that was affectionate and affirming or were you raised in a home that was cold and distant. In fact, we have some resources, some conversations in our library around the topic of attachment styles, the way you attach to your parents, which a lot of times then impacts the way you attach to, you know, friends or uh, your spouse eventually when you grow up. And so that's a great question. How how was the love climate in your home? And a lot of times it might you might have one you might get one sense from mom and a different sense from dad. Tracy, I'm interested to see how you would answer that question with your home growing up. Yeah, I feel like the love climate in our home was pretty strong, especially with my mom. My dad traveled a lot, so he wasn't around as much, but he was always very affectionate. Um, I definitely knew that my dad loved me, but my mom, you know, I spent a lot of, she was more of my confidant and would share things. And she, I feel like she did a good job of affirming and, you know, speaking love to me. And I had an older sister. And so there was a lot of competition. In fact, one of the examples I have of a person that said something that was so crushing to me was a teacher that compared me to my older sister who was stellar. And it was like my biggest insecurity. And so when he said something to me, like, you'll never be like your older sister. I mean, I can still say that I'm almost 50 years old and I can still remember that. And that was junior high age. But my mom did such a good job of never comparing me with my sister and my dad, too. I never felt like that in my home. I felt like my parents encouraged me. Um, I felt loved. I for sure felt loved. How about you, Bri? What would you say? Well, it's interesting for me, you know, my my um, my mom, a lot of a lot of people would think, okay, well, the female is probably more loving and the male is more distant. Mom is more loving, dad is more distant. In my home growing up, it was the opposite. Even though my, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, my dad worked and traveled for work and um so he, my mom was more present than my dad, but my dad was really a good dad and tried to be very present, but my dad was the one who was generally more affectionate. My mom was a little bit more cold and distant. Again, it's not she was she didn't mean to be it's i think it's what she learned it's what she knew i think she loved us very much this isn't about whether you love your kids it's it's a little bit more about maybe your personality and your approach and you know your temperament even but but it's interesting now as a 75 year old my mom talks about how cold and distant both of her parents were 
So she's 75 and she still feels that way. She still carries some of those wounds with her 70 years into it. And, and, and it, it really helps us as adult children now to look back on our childhood, which, which, which was wonderful, I thank God for my parents. But I think my mom learned some of those, even though she didn't like it, she couldn't help. She couldn't help it. She she did approach us. You know, discipline was easier for her than affirmation. Last week's topic was easier for her than this week's topic. And I encourage um, couples who are listening to this, or even single parents listening to this, to just be honest with yourself. Which one are you better at? It, you know, are you better at discipline or are you better at affirmation? Now, you don't you don't have to be better at one or the other, but probably Tracy, a lot of times someone might be a little bit better at one or the other, right? And so pay attention to which one you need to work harder at. Because I think a mistake would be to say, well, mom is the affirming parent and dad is the disciplinarian parent. And I think we want to stay away from that. Yeah, I think you want to, you both parents want to be a combination of both. That when it's appropriate, you're going to discipline and love, but you're also just as quick to be affirming and to show love and to praise your kids and to just make sure that you're speaking life over them because they're going to get it, especially in this day and age with social media. I mean, the reason why our suicide rates at for teenagers is so high is because there's just so much negativity coming at them all the time. And if I think about that from just how hard junior high was for me, if I had social media on top of that, where it's like there's no escape and people can be kind of an anonymous in the way they talk about things, I mean, these kids are dealing with a lot. So parents, we have got to make sure that when our kids are in our home, that they that we speak life over them and encouragement over them and make sure that they know how precious and valuable they are because they're God's creation, but also because you love them. And we'll talk more about that today, just what exactly that can look like and, like and get a little bit more practical, especially for those that have a harder time with affirmation. Now, some of you might be listening to this saying, okay, Okay, hold on a second. You're this is like pop psychology. I don't see this anywhere in scripture. You know, I want to raise my kids biblically and we had plenty of scripture in the discipline lesson because the Bible is very clear about disciplining our kids. If you love your kids, you'll discipline them. Not disciplining them is the same as hating them. I mean, those are those are great reminders in a culture that really is getting away from discipline. But so, I could hear some people objecting saying we don't need to affirm our kids. They get enough affirmation at school or they're already being raised in a culture that's way too into affirmation instead of discipline. And I would say, hold on a second. Wait, the God the Father, the perfect example of this is God the Father. God the Father, only a couple of times in the Gospels, spoke public, publicly about Jesus, his son. He did it twice in the Gospel of Matthew. And both times... I want people to hear this. Dads, I want you to hear this. When I first heard this, it was life-changing for me. It was so all I'm glad I list, I heard this when my kids were young because I don't think I would have necessarily embraced this principle. I think I would have embraced put God first. I would have embraced disciplining your kids, but I don't know if I would have made affirmation like a top 3 principle until I heard Matthew 3:17 and really understood it as a dad. At Jesus' baptism, it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And dads and moms, I want that to really sink in for you. 
one of the only times that God the Father spoke publicly about his son, he did it to affirm him. He affirmed his son. That's a powerful thought that, that uh, I mean, God could have said a lot of different things, but he wanted everyone to know how he felt about his son. And then the second occurrence of this is in Matthew 17, verse 5. And this is during the transfiguration of Christ, and Jesus goes up to the mountain and brings a couple of his closest disciples with him. And it says that even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, here it is again, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. So do you see this pattern there? It's two times in the Gospel of Matthew, God speaks publicly about his son, and both times it's to affirm him. And I want, I want dads to really think about this. What do you say about your kids publicly? What do you say about your kids at work or at church or when you're hanging out with your friends? How do you speak about your kids? I think that should be something we really should wrestle with as moms and dads. Yeah, and I just love the language there of just, this is my dearly loved son. Like that was tenderness, it was warmth, it was connection, it was intimacy. And really, when we think about this, because Jesus is God, he didn't He didn't need those words to like feel like he was important. He, he knows who he was. He understood his everything about him. But it was for everybody else, the hearers of the day, to just know like Jesus is my dearly loved son. And kind of expressing that and speaking that authority over Jesus for those that were hearing it. And I just think for our kids, for them to hear words from us of just how much we love them, how we were proud of them, that we just speak life over them, whether it's to other people or even to them, like what a difference that that can make as our kids are developing and wrestling with their identity and and kind of putting themselves out there and testing the waters, especially as they get into those teenage years where peer pressure is getting stronger and they're comparing themselves with others, that we start with parents that we're just speaking affirmation and worth and value and purpose over our kids. And listen, if the perfect son of God received words of affirmation from his father, how much more do our imperfect kids need affirmation from their parents? You know, Jesus didn't need the affirmation from God the Father for his self-esteem, but our kids do. Jesus knew who he was. Our kids don't know who they are. So God the Father gave those words of affirmation to Jesus. How much more do our earthly children need affirmation from their earthly parents? Yep, and I think that that's why Parents, we're going to move into some real practical ways for to, to frame this for you and then ways to go about speaking affirmation so that for your kids, that at least at least they're going to know from mom and dad and in their home that they are special and that they are loved. A couple verses here before we get real practical, Tracy. Uh, Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. Now that verse isn't spoken just to parents, but, but it goes perfectly with parenting. I mean, it's a principle that's true for every, any relationship, marriage, whatever, but in your parenting, it's also true, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving. 
Are you tenderhearted toward your kids? Are you kind toward your kids? Are you forgiving with your kids? If you don't model forgiveness when your kids screw up, then then you're not modeling God to your kids. They're going to get the wrong picture of God if all you are is a disciplinarian. And again, some of you are listening to this saying, look, God could affirm his son Jesus because Jesus was perfect. You don't know my kid. Look, you're right. I don't know your kid. But you can find something to affirm in your kid. And the most difficult ones, the most challenging ones, the ones you have to discipline the most— need more affirmation than any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the balancing of those scales. And really, I love in the Proverbs just the, the picture of, you know, kind words are like honey. I mean, if you think about honey is like medicinal, it's healing, it's soothing. Um, I could use some today for a cold that I'm feeling, right? It's kind of, it coats our throat. It makes us feel better. It's sweet. It tastes good. Um, that's what our words need to be for our kids. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes in our discipline, our kids aren't going to necessarily like the message. But what we want to be careful of is that even in the words that we have to rebuke for training purposes, that we're still thinking about those words being soothing, like healing for our kids, not not hurting them, not lashing out, not provoking them to anger because we're being immature in our response, or we're being hateful or spiteful or immature in the words that we're using. We really want to make sure as parents that we think about our words, like, are these healing words for my kids? Are these going to do them good? Or is it going to do them harm? Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So what kind of discipline and instruction comes from the Lord? How does the Lord discipline there's another passage that says, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. So if you think that your, if you think that your discipline is going to be the only thing to lead your kids to repentance, you've, you've got it wrong. And maybe this is how your parents did it. But I want you to really hear this, parents, moms, and dads, that disciplining your kids with love, we said that last week, discipline with love, affirmation, this is what we're talking about with affirmation. I, I love it when Parents discipline their kids, they're consistent with their discipline, but then they sit down with them and they love them. They sit down and they hug them and they affirm them and they tell them it's going to be okay and they they affirm their love for their kids because the last thing we want is for our kids to think we're just always mad at them and all we have is wrath toward them, not love toward them. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And parents, I think it is your kindness which means disciplining with love and affirming your kids. It's your kindness that, that is going to eventually leave your, lead your kids, hopefully prayerfully, to this place where they, they receive your discipline, they receive your love, they receive your teaching, your training. They want to put God first in their lives, just like they've seen you do while they've been growing up. So again, when we release our kids, we kick them out of the house or whatever, we release them when they're adults, it's their turn now to own it or not to own it. Why would a kid want to own judgment? Why would a kid want to own wrath? If that's all they ever get from mom and dad, then they're not just going to reject mom and dad, but they're going to reject God. So this is why it's important to understand how to affirm in a biblical way, how to affirm your kids. Yeah. And I think like you said earlier, especially if you have a challenging kid, a kid that you're having to discipline a lot, even more important to find opportunities to not get stuck in that rut where you're always just kind of having to come down on your kid. 
but find opportunities and ways that can be fun. You know, going out playing basketball or taking them shopping or cooking with them or doing something, an activity where you're also creating connection that's not centered around some behavior that you're trying to work out with them, right? That your kid feels like, okay, mom or dad still loves me. I can engage with them in, in a, a more relaxed atmosphere that's not always supercharged by in that rut of frustration because they're a challenging kid for whatever reason. Okay. So parents are out there listening to this saying, okay, you convinced me. I want, you know, I want to be better about this. I, I want to affirm my kids. I don't want to just be a disciplinarian, but I know the practical question a lot of parents have, especially if you didn't see this modeled well in your home growing up is you say, how do I do this? So Trace, let's, let's spend some time here getting practical. I, I want, I really want parents to walk away from this conversation, from this podcast, with really practical tools that they can start implementing today in their home. And so we've got three B's for you and three T's for you. Okay, so Tracy, let's start with the B's. Number one, be intentional. What do we mean by this when we say be intentional when it comes to affirmation? Well, there's a couple different things about this. I mean, first for the parent that maybe struggles more with affirmation, you're more bent towards discipline like we talked about earlier, then this is going to be like a practical exercise of you being very present and aware. Like I today, I am going to be intentional by giving each of my kids a word of affirmation or a hug or I'm going to plan a date with my daughter or something to go do with my son. Like intentionality for you might be, I've got to put it in my calendar. I've got to put it on my to-do list for the week that I'm going to do X, Y, or Z to be affirming. Um, For those of you that maybe are pretty good at affirmation, then for you, it might just be, again, a calendar reminder, uh, a goal that you set like every day. I want to make sure that I highlight one quality I love about each of my kids, that you're intentional about finding opportunities to show love and affirmation with your words, with your time. I'll talk about that in the tease in just a minute. But intentionality means you're focused on it. Intentionality means you make it a point to say, whether it comes naturally to me or not, this needs to be a priority in my week, in my day, to do something clear for my kids that's affirming. You know, this one's important for me, Tracy, because you are way more natural at affirming our kids. Just in general, you're a more affirming person. You're better with your words. Um, you, you, I think you have a sense that you, I think you understand the power of words more than I understand the power of words and you have for a long time. And so it's, it's given you a sensitivity to this, whereas I'm just more oblivious. And some of our listeners might feel like they can relate to me that they're clueless about this. They're like, I, I, I don't, I, I don't need it. So I don't give it, which is kind of a little bit my, my natural bent is I don't need it, even though I do, everyone needs it, but I don't, I don't feel like I need it as much as some other things. It's not my love language. We'll get into that in a little bit. And so I'm not as clued in to my kids needing it. And, and I even project that a little bit on my son, on our son I say, well, he's a guy, so he's like me, so he doesn't need it either. So I might be a little bit more intentional with my daughter than I am with my son. But I, again, that's a mistake. I think it's important for um, 
both of our kids, in fact, maybe even our son needs it more than our daughter. I think they both need it. But so do, it's not really a gender thing, but I really encourage parents to, if, if, this is, if this is not a strong suit for you, or maybe you're good at being intentional with your daughters, with your words, but not with your sons, dads, moms, both boys and girls need it. Now, there's a difference between boys and girls. We'll get into that in other episodes in this podcast. I'm not saying they're the same. Genders are, God made male and female, and there definitely are traits that are male and female, but I want you to hear this. Your sons and your daughters need words of affirmation. Not just your daughters, your sons and your daughters need words of affirmation. So parents, be intentional. That's number one. Number two, be authentic. And Tracy, what do we mean by being authentic when it comes to words of affirmation? Yeah, I mean, what we're saying is it's not just, hey, pal, proud of you, or I love you, right? Just kind of a something you could say to anyone under any circumstance. When we say authentic, you know, our kids pick up on if we're just saying some platitude versus something very specific to our kids. So being authentic means that you're thoughtful about what you're affirming, that you're able to apply it specifically to whichever child you're talking to, that you're not just kind of like, oh, well, I did it. I said, I love you. I say, I love you every morning or every night when I put you to bed. Isn't that enough for you? Like authenticity means that you recognize like you're coming towards your kid with tenderness, like showing love, showing care for them, showing their value by giving them affirmation in whatever form that is. Like we'll talk about in the three T's in a minute, but our kids pick up on if we're just kind of giving a generalization rather than something specific. Yeah. And so I, again, I can hear some parents out there saying, okay, I can't be authentic because I'm not a good affirmer. So they're going to sniff out the fake because it's not who I am. It's not what I do, especially if I just start doing it after listening to this podcast. They're going to know something's wrong. Something's not right. So I would, again, I would encourage, if that's you, I would encourage you to, this ties back in with being intentional. You might need to spend, like, honestly, spend some time talking about this with your spouse, really trying to wrap your mind around this so that you can buy into this. So that you can buy, okay, wait, I get it. Oh, okay. I because some people just maybe they're they don't their EQ, Tracy, your EQ is so much higher than my EQ, emotional intelligence. And this this takes some EQ. This takes some empathy. And some of our listeners lack empathy. Parents, here's the thing. You you I'm not we're not saying to fake empathy. We're not saying, okay, you need to you need to just pretend you're empathetic toward your kids. No, we're saying Really try to connect in with this topic. Put in some work on this topic. Be intentional like the first B. Be intentional about really understanding this, which means at least two things. Number one, I think it's talk to your spouse about it if your spouse is better. Talk to your mentoring couple about it. Talk to a pastor about it. Talk to some friends about it. Say, help us with this. We're afraid that we're not very good at this. Help us with this. Listen to this podcast with us. Go through these discussion questions with us. We want to get better at this. You know, if you don't just throw your hands up in the air and say, I'll never get this. I'm not very empathetic. No, you, you can get better at this. And, and then, then it comes from a place of authenticity when you start speaking words of affirmation to your kids. So, so number one, talk to your spouse or your mentor about this. Number two, talk to God about this. 
and I really challenge if you struggle with this, the go to God in prayer, make this a regular daily prayer until you start seeing a change in you. Say, God, give me a tender heart toward my kids. Give me a tender heart toward people. Again, some of you aren't tender hearted toward people and therefore you're not tender hearted toward your kid. That's a problem if you're a follower of Jesus. I want, I want you to hear that. I'm, hey, I, I don't want to be like too hard on you, but I want, I want to be pastoral here for a moment and tell you that's a problem. Some of you know, and you know who you are, you're not very good at this. You, then you need to repent of it. Honestly, you need to repent of it before God. And you need to say, God, help change my heart in this area. Give me more empathy for my kids. Open my eyes to see my kids the way you see my kids and help me with words of affirmation. Well, and honestly, it would be more authentic to, to go to your kids to be able to say, listen, we listen to this podcast. I've kind of been wrestling with this. Maybe you talk about the love climate or lack thereof in your family growing up and be honest about this. This is harder for me, but I recognize I need to be more affirming to you. I need to show my love to you uh, more clearly. And so I think your kids can respond to that rather than like you were saying, it, it, you seem like a poser, like dad or mom, you've, you've never said such nice things to me ever. Why all of a sudden are you doing it right now? Like, be honest with that's part of authenticity. Be honest with your kids if that's an area where you've been lacking. I think your kids will respond to that and will be encouraging to you to be like, no, that was good. That was awesome. You know, good job. Like, it could be kind of a trust building exercise that you as the parent are saying, just like I'm training and teaching you things, I need to still learn and grow as a parent too. And you can teach me some things because your kid knows what they need from you. And so them saying, I would love to hear X, Y, or Z, or I would love for you to do this, this, or that, that you can respond to that and say, I'm going to work on that. Okay. So number one, be intentional. Number two, be authentic. And number three, be unique. Tracy, what do you, what do you mean when, you, when you're talking about being unique as a parent when it comes to affirming your kids? Well, yeah, because I think, like I said before, I had an older sister if my parents were saying the same affirming things to both of us, I would have sniffed that out because my sister is very different than me in so many ways. And so she has great things about her and I had great things about me. She had things that she struggled with. I had things that I struggled with. So as a parent, part of the important thing about affirmation is that you give unique expression of affirmation to each of your kids because they have different temperaments whether it's their birth order, whether it's the sex, whether it's um, just different personality traits, your kids need different things from you. They need to hear different things from you. So your kids need, you need to have a unique approach, an individual approach to each kid. Yeah. So one, one of the questions in today's conversation, again, you can find it at pursuegod.org slash family. This series is survival guide for parents. We're in lesson number three. One of the questions is, identify three unique traits for each of your kids that you'll work to affirm more. That's a great exercise, parents. Again, we're talking about being intentional and being authentic. So really, this is where the rubber meets the road is, okay, now spend some time talking about it. Now, maybe you already know. Maybe it's already obvious. Maybe you, al you already do this. But some of you might be saying, okay, that's what I needed. I needed a practical action step. And so write, write out those unique traits, get, get your spouse to help you, and then, and then have those conversations. Because it's one thing to put in the work, 
sort of so that you can emotionally or mentally or intellectually wrap your mind around what we're talking about. But if it just stays in your head, you're missing the point. And Trace, I think that brings us to the three T's of affirmation. Let's talk about the three ways that you can affirm your kids. And this will sound a little bit like the, f- the five love languages. And so let's make that connection here at the end. But the first T is talk. It's kind of obvious. We've been saying it this whole time. Use your words to speak love and praise over your kids. And again, it might seem obvious, but it's not obvious to everybody because some people say, well, that's not how I affirm people. I'm more of a toucher. I'm more of a, I'm a hugger. And which, look, I get it. Like, and you feel like you're affirming your kids, but you're missing the point because that might not be their love language. Yeah, so the talk is just words. And some of your kids are going to need that maybe more than others. So we'll talk about the, the two other T's in a minute. But that's, again, where I'm saying it might be good to talk to your kids. Like, what are... What, how do you feel most loved, my mom and dad? And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. You'll get a sense for what their love language might be. If they say, I just want to hear you compliment me. I want to hear, like, our daughter is words of affirmation. She's like, I need to hear words. Like, you know, the joke around the family table sometimes when we get together is like, okay, everybody go around and just tell me three things that you love about me. Like, she... She needs that. I need that. I'm, I'm a person that attaches to words. I'm a words of affirmation person. So some of your kids, that's what they're going to need. So whether you, you need that, whether like you said, Brian, you, you are not a person that needs a lot of words of affirmation. Um, but some of your kids are going to need that. So to be intentional about the words that you choose, praising them, affirming them, speaking encouragement into you know, whether it's a sport that they're playing or dance or music, you know, whatever their hobbies are that you're complimenting them, you're, you're infusing confidence in them with your words. And I'll just give one practical thing of connecting the B's to the T's. Cause for me, because I'm a words of affirmation person, I use my words a lot. And one of the things I had to be careful of with both of my kids in sports, I had to be intentional and I failed at this more times than I was successful. I had to walk into a game and say, in my mind, I'm going to be intentional on the car ride home, that I am not going to say one critical thing about how they played, how they hustled, how their attitude looked or any of that. Because our kids, our kids would attach to my words. And so if the car ride home was me getting critical or saying, well, you know, in that one play, gosh, I feel like you could have done so much better on that. Our kids are that's, that's bringing them down. So I had to be intentional about praising them, encouraging them, right? Because at the end of the day, sports isn't the end all be all that neither of them were going to play professional sports. So do I want my words to be something that was encouraging to them or to be detrimental to them? And so for me, being intentional with my words is just speaking life and encouragement and doing that, whether it's on the car ride home from a game or it's before they go to school in the morning or when they're going to bed at night that I just was looking for ways to say, I really love this about you. I love this in your personality. You're smart. You're brilliant in this. Boy, you did such a good job on that homework assignment. I'm proud of you for working hard and grinding it out, whatever, using your words to affirm. Yeah, we're not saying don't, don't be a truth teller to your kids. We're not saying that at all. You know, we're not, we're not, a, we're not, um, advocating for like everyone gets a trophy we're saying there are some things that your kids are great at 
There's some things that they're good at, and there's some things that they're probably below average at. And as a parent, you should be truthful with them. But the things that they're good at or that they're great at, communicate that to them. That'll mean something to them. Some of your parents might say, no, I don't think it will. They tune me out. Nope, they don't tune you out. It's going to matter. Now, if you're, old, if you're always negative, hopefully they'll tune you out. But if they're not going to tune out affirmation, they're going to hear it. They might roll their eyes. They might, not, they might not acknowledge it at first. They might not use their words back at you. But they're the kid. You're the parent. So what you're doing is you're leading in this. Because some of your parents might be saying, okay, I'm not good with my words. We, Tracy, we counsel couples all the time who say things like this. I wish I could say things like you say things. You're good with your words. I'm not good with my words. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how perfectly put together your sentences are. What, what's going to be felt is the, your heart, what your kids hear, and, and the empathy that you show them, the love and the affirmation that you show them. You might not be good at it at first, but step out of your comfort zone, parents, and try it. And if you keep doing it, you'll keep getting better at it. And don't only do it when you get a response from your kids. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Do it all the time. And your kids, every kid, even if it's not their primary love language, every kid needs words of affirmation. Every kid needs you to talk to them or about them with affirmation. That's the first T, talk. Tracy, the second T, again, is another love language, and it's time. So spend time with your kids. Show them that they're a priority to you. Sometimes, sometimes words aren't enough. Sometimes you actually need to spend quality time with your kids. Yeah, when I think about both of our kids, I mean, for my daughter, especially in her teenage years, like I really, time is what built the bridge for her to talk more or share more about things she was going through or things happening with her friends. Like if I just sat her down on the bed and was like, how's it going with your friends? You know, she just... She just, she held things in. I think she was processing many things. She just wasn't good about getting her feelings out. She just kind of held it all in. So what I had to transition to was what are some things that I could do just to spend time with her, just to show her how much I care about her by giving my time, spending time doing something with her that she enjoyed. So a lot of times that was cooking, like she loved to cook. So we would make dinner together. And so as we're just doing that activity, then it would open up some conversation because then her walls are down a little bit. Um, with my son, both of us would go out and shoot hoops with him for hours and just be the rebounder, right? And we'd just kind of be standing there and just showing like, hey, buddy, we're, we're with you. We know this is important. You want to be good at basketball. You want to practice a lot. So we would go out there and we could talk about different things. Some things might come up about what was happening with sports and stuff. But we were giving our time saying, you matter to me and this is all that mattered. Put your phone down, you know, walking away from the office when we're working from home, whatever. Spend time with your kids. Show them their value by the things that you're willing to say. These other things aren't important right now. What's important is doing something with you. For some of your kids, it might be taking them shopping, going out for ice cream, just do, taking each of your kids individually and spending quality time with them. Yeah, and again, this is another one that I'm not very good at. You, Tracy, you're so much better at all of these things we're talking about than I am. But I think that could be an example to the parents out there who can relate more to me. Like you're, you're saying, this does not come natural to me, man. Because here, here's what I realize is, that, like you said, Tracy, I had to 
I had to put my phone down. I had to give our kids, and I wasn't great at this, but but I was realizing I need to not be distracted because I'm very one-track minded. I'm easily distracted. Maybe some of you listening are busy at work. It, it communicates something to your kids when you leave your phone inside and they know you're doing it. You leave your phone inside and you go shoot hoops or throw the ball or whatever. You know, it's kind of like we say to our pastors on staff is don't, don't, you know, don't, when you're counseling with somebody, don't be looking at your phone all the time, you know, or a lot of times I'll take notes on, on my phone when we're, when we're doing premarital counseling or marriage counseling. And I'll, I'll have to tell the couple, Hey, look, I'm taking notes here. I'm not texting. I want to make sure you know that you have my attention, that I'm paying attention to you. Parents, your kids will so pick up on that. So we're not just talking about time. We're talking about quality time. Spend time with your kids doing what they want to do, not what you want to do. You know, I love to golf. Um, when my when our kids were little, they couldn't care less about golf. And so I selfishly, I wanted to get them into golf so that we could spend quality time with my kids. But it, they weren't really into it. So I really, it was like, sacrificial for me to go rebound for AJ, but I did it for him. I wanted to spend, I wanted to communicate that message to him that he matters. And it, it wasn't, we didn't even always necessarily have super deep conversations. It was just spending time Mm -hmm. letting him know that that mattered. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So for some parents, the time thing's going to be easier. Like you're like, oh man, great. Let's go get our nails done and go shopping. <laughs> you know, whatever. If you've got a daughter that's into that, um, time, time might come easier for you than the talking, but your kids need both. They're going to need your words and they're going to need your time. Okay. So talk time. And the third T again, it's a, it's a love language is touch, physical touch. And obviously, we're talking about appropriate physical touch with your kids, but showing affection to your kids by giving them hugs, you know, high-fiving your sons, whatever, like showing them, like giving them appropriate physical interaction. Dads, especially for your daughters, man, this is so important for you to, to show your daughters your love for them show them their value, their worth, so they're not looking for it in some other guy, some loser, you know? So this is an important one, not just for dads and daughters, but for moms and daughters and sons, fathers and sons, for everybody. Like your kids, this is my, again, my dad was good at this one. My dad, probably more than the other two, is he, he, he was a hugger and he, he loved to hug his kids and I mean, just real meaningful embrace, that kind of stuff meant something to us. We, you know, we probably couldn't put it into words when we were little, but looking back, you realize, boy, I need, I'm built to need this. Yeah. God built us to need this. Well, and I think if you, if you started this when your kids were young, it's probably easier uh, if you, you know, because little kids, like it's easy to hug them and they want to cuddle with you before they go to bed or whatever. So if that was kind of how you were as a parent when they were young, then as they get into the preteen teen years, you know, that level of affection, you know, looks a little different, but they're not, they're not bristling at a hug. So for the parents out there that you weren't really a very affectionate parent, and now you've got a 12 year old, 
girl, let's say, and now you're trying to be affectionate, that it might be good just to be like, to pay attention to the cue, you know, is a side hug better than coming up and saying, give, give dad a hug or whatever, you know, is it better to fist bump? Is it a high five? Whatever it is, maybe you ask your kids, especially as they get a little older, what, what is more comfortable to you? But however it goes, our kids need that affirming touch from us that, that we care about them, that we love them, that we don't just like stand there like soldiers and are cold. Right. But each kid again is going to maybe need that in a different way. And I think as our kids get older from younger to older, that might change a little bit. But the point is that you're looking for ways to show your affection physically as well. And to do that in a way that's comfortable for your kids. Yeah, and for those parents out there who want to talk about the five love languages with your kids, we have a res- we have that in the in the marriage section at our lo- in our resources at pursuegod.org, but we also have them for the students so that it's more of a student conversation, not so much romantic five love languages, but but really helping your I remember having that conversation Tracy with our kids when they were younger and it was really helpful for them to have a framework for understanding how they receive love and how they give love. It was a great conversation. And again, we have the Pursue God resources are wonderful for family devotionals. So have that conversation, find that conversation in the library. We'll put it in the show notes below this episode, but then have that conversation with your kids and make sure that you understand their love language and then start speaking it because that's, that's part of affirming your kids. So that's principle number three. Remember, we talked to principle number one, put God first. Principle number two, discipline with love. And principle number three goes hand in hand. It's the other side of the coin for principle number two. You have to affirm your kids. Every kid, even the most challenging kids, especially the most challenging kids, need and deserve affirmation. Parents, it's your job to give it to them in in an appropriate way. And if you do... And we think that you can survive these parenting years, and not just you will survive them, but your kids will, and your kids will grow to take ownership of their lives and have proper self-esteem and and hopefully come to follow Jesus and love Jesus the way that you love Jesus as well. So if you want to talk about this one along with the other topics in this series, find it all online at pursuegod.org forward slash family. And remember, make sure to join us next week as we continue to dive into marriage and parenting topics from a biblical perspective right here on the podcast. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.